You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand? Does trying to figure out a good jumping on point in a long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on? If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. My My Big big Fat Pull List. Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out with you! When it comes to comic book superheroes, everyone knows the big names. Superman, Captain America, Batman, Wolverine, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, Green Lantern, Spider-Man. But sometimes it's fun to dive into new universes and discover brand new characters who don't have 80 plus years of convoluted continuity and history behind them. It's exciting. It makes a reader feel as if they are being allowed to be a part of something from the beginning. One such opportunity is becoming available now with the Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. Kickstarter project from creator Rick Offenberger. Join us now for our first celebrity interview as we talk with Mr. Offenberger on what got him into comics, his history with Archie Comics, his brand new creator-owned project, and how you can be a part of it all during this very special episode of My Big Fat Pull List. Greetings, listeners. Things are going to be a little bit different. Yes, that's right. Mr. X here, not greeting you like he normally does, but instead giving you a professional courtesy tip of the hat to let you know that this podcast is actually the majority of the audio ripped from our video podcast interview with Rick Offenberger. Now, I suggest everybody watch the video as well, because the video will have things that this podcast does not have, and vice versa. The most important thing is, is that there's actual visuals in the video that you can see for all the things that we'll be talking about. Now, to check out our video podcast episode, you can take a look at the show notes for this episode, or you can head on over to YouTube and go to the Archlight Entertainment channel and watch the video from there. So no matter how you want to imbibe this episode of my big fat pull list, whether it be visual or just for your ears, we hope that you have an enjoyable time and be on the lookout because we plan on doing this more often in the future. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very, very special episode of my big fat pull list. I will be one of your hosts, Dr. Impact, and with me today are... Dragonus Prime, Smurfy, and Mr. X. Terribly mysterious, sir. Always. (laughs) I also want to mention that Pistol Danger will be joining us in this episode uh, a little bit later. But first things first, why is this so special? 
and why why are we doing things a little differently this time? Well, I'm on the show. it's because of Dragonus Prime. That's the whole reason. Yeah, um, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, that's it. We Big are going. News. We are going to do a uh, our first interview on the show and talk about an upcoming Kickstarter project. And we're so excited about this that we are actually doing this episode in two different formats. We will have the video episode that you can find on YouTube, and we will have the audio version that will be available on, you know, Spotify and Stitcher and, you know, wherever you listen to the podcast normally. Two versions of the show. The if, price if, of one, sort of. Yeah. And you're not paying for either one of them, so. Right. Know. So it's the same price. But, uh, but we we figured if the uh, if the big important guys can can do video and then just rip the audio and that's right make it a podcast as well why can't some of us little folk do it as well that's right that's right and this is a, an interesting enough topic that i think it it qualifies to to cross into both so yeah so we will get into all of that in a minute but before we do we do want to uh, take this moment just to remind everybody to check out our patreon page <laughs> We have a plethora of tiers, all designed to tickle your geek fancy. No matter what you're into, if you're just into getting uh, fr uh, cool stuff like buttons or magnets, or if you're into the really cool stuff like T-shirts. Brand new, my big fat pull list T-shirts. For those of you who are listening to this on a podcast, head on over to YouTube to watch the video because you will see us wearing Yes, our exclusive t-shirts that you can only get by being a Patreon member. And normally, we would have Pistol Danger tell you exactly where to go, but since he is running late, uh, <laughs> I will do my best pistol impersonation and tell everybody to go to www.patreon.com forward slash my big fat pull list. Uh, that was a horrible pistol impersonation. But... I swear he's in the room. I was going to say, I, I don't know. Good. I think it was right. pretty, you know, spot on. Yeah. Thank, thanks for humoring me. <laughs> All right. Enough of this crap. Yeah. We want to give a big welcome to Mr. Rick Offenberger. <laughs> Welcome, sir. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my big fat pull list. Nice to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Technically speaking, this is the very first special guest yeah. we've ever had oh, on, honored. on the show. So you are the first. You are our first celebrity interview. That's right. I don't know if I'm a celebrity, but <laughs> thank you for having me on. Well, you are you are to us. You are to us. You know, it's it's interesting. You and I have talked on Facebook and through email and, and such over a couple of years now. But it's it's nice to actually meet in person or, you know, whatever qualifies yes. as in person in, in this <laughs> crazy world now. It's very fun to have you on. As I said, you know, we've talked many times before, primarily because of your, your history with uh, the Mighty Crusaders and such. But one of the things that we go into a lot on the show here is the things that got us into it. And so before we get into any of the other stuff, before we get into talking about the Kickstarter project and, and all of that, we want to know 
what was your first experience with comics? What got you into this uh, industry? My, my father was a huge fan in the golden age. He had all the original comics uh, back in the 40s. Oh, and wow. when he got uh, a bad report card, his mother would take them and throw them in the trash. Oh, oh man. But everyone's oh. mother did. They threw them in the trash. They put some, donated them to the war recycling drive and things like that. That's why they were scarce. That's why they went up in value. And that's why there's a hobby. Sure. So when I was very little, he started buying comics for me. And he would read them to me as his way of getting to read comics again. But, you know, he was reading them to me. And so I've had a lifelong fascination with comics uh, brought on by my father. His favorite was Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. And I remember uh, we were on family vacation. And he's telling me about Captain Marvel. And um, I, I saw a Shazam comic when DC brought them back in the drugstore. And I pointed it out to him. He said, no, 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 they stopped it. And then we saw it. He was all excited. <laughs> and, and so this is something I shared with him, you know, from my childhood. And so it always made me, you know, happy. And it always, you know, it's always been part of my life. First character I really connected with was the Wally West Flash from Teen Titans. And, and uh, when they canceled Teen Titans, I had a subscription and they transferred me to Flash. And I was hoping to see Wally West in the Flash at some point. But uh, as it turned out, he rarely gets started. But uh, I, I developed a whole love for the Flash that's uh, lasted to this day. I watch the TV show. I read the comics still every month. So is, is Wally your Flash then more than any other? I, I like I like Barry, and I like the police procedural aspects of it, and I like the, the secret identity he has and how it all fits together and how he's basically a hero as a um, civilian and as a superhero, more so than Wally did. Wally, Wally's kind of lost as, as a character individually, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, he was the young Flash sidekick, and it kind of, uh, you know, I kind of related to that as a seven-year-old. And That's the weird thing about it, too, because currently... I'm reading uh, Young Justice, and even though it's not Wally, we've got Bart. Uh, Impulse, uh, essentially, it's Impulse. But even though I'm a a 40-something-year-old comic collector, I still identify with the younger characters. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't really identify with characters in your own age group because eventually all you can read is The Wizard Shazam without Captain Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. I'm going to read the Alfred comic (laughs) where he just putters around the house and and does chores. So, Rick, there's something else that that I think all of us here have wanted to ask you about, because I think every one of us at at one time or another has thought of doing this. I know that that Smurfy and Pistol and, and Mr. X have been talking about it now for a couple of years specifically. But at one time, you ran your own comic shop. Yeah, I had started young collecting comics. When I was in college, I had about 10,000 comics, Ooh, including wow. complete runs on The Flash, Justice League, X-Men, uh, well, X-Men not all the way to one, X-Men from 94 on, Daredevil, Captain America, including the Tales of Suspense, Iron Man. And so I thought with 10,000 comics, I should open a comic store. I had, uh, I had a young daughter. She was two years old. The idea of having her at the store with, uh, with me and my wife at the time was uh, a good idea. It all just seemed like a good idea. When you open the store, you find out 10,000 comics is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of space in the house, but it didn't take up a lot of space in the store. I'm sure, yeah. But I kept my day job when I did that. Oh, wow. Initially. I was working in a medical office. My um, ex-wife was at the store, and then when I'd get off work, I'd come to the store and stay till close. 
um, on the weekends I was there every day. It was a, it's a seven day, uh, 365 day commitment. We were open Christmas yeah. day. We were open uh, Thanksgiving day, half days, but we were still open and we had a lot of business because everyone else was closed. Wow. Well, when you got to pay your bills, you got to pay your bills. And, right. and um, it was a lot of fun. And I met a lot of comic creators there because we ended up doing a lot of conventions. Mm. And so I met a lot of people before they were real big deals. I met Rob Liefeld when he was 16 at the comic shop I was shopping in then. Uh, he and Valentino were regulars. Uh, and uh, oh, wow. Rob actually worked at the comic shop, not, not the same branch I went to, but one of them for uh, Rick Worf to the Comic Castle. And, uh, but they'd come in every Wednesday um, to pick up comics for the Comic Book Thursday because Rick used to bring them in real late and I'd be there late at night with them. And they'd be looking at their stuff in the um, who's who of the Legion of Superheroes. And, uh, and Rob was working on uh, Hawk and the Dove at the time. Oh, and, wow. Um, he, he actually invited me to his studio and I bought a piece of art that um, George Perez had done from him at one point. Oh, it was a cyborg piece. That's a that's a bucket list thing for me to get a piece of. I, I've I've met George Perez and I've had a few books signed, a couple of my crisis books. But I would love to get a piece of original art from him. That's awesome. I've got a Catwoman from Brian Stelfreeze too that he did for me at a convention. Wow, and nice. we were just hanging out talking, and and there weren't a lot of attendance at the convention. It didn't go well. And <laughs> um, he was painting a Catwoman for for two days, and uh, at the end of that, he just handed it to me. Oh wow, that's awesome. nice. That's awesome. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Oh, yeah. Holy um, cow. But, but as a retailer, there were a lot of uh, small conventions in the Southern California area. And a lot of these people went on to work for Image. But at the time, they, they weren't big and famous yet. And so um, you can hang out and talk to them. You know, you get to know these people. And so that was nice. And it gave me some inroads into comics. Part of my part of the plan to to run the store was that I needed promotion to get people into the store. I needed to find out how to market my store because I hadn't been a retailer before. I, had, I was the administrator in a medical office. And so that wasn't quite the same business. Right. So um, I was reading up on how to make, you know, make your business successful. And one of the things they suggested was to become an expert in your field to write for trade journals. So um, I had taken uh, high school journalism and I had a bachelor's degree and I figured I could put a few words together. So I contacted uh, the Comic Buyer's Guide and I told them I wanted to write for them. And so they hired me as a freelancer. Nice. Wow. And I was there when Marvel, they started uh, Image Comics, which was, Rob's studio at the time was in Brea and my medical office was three blocks away in Brea. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was there as they were in the uh, conventions. I was uh, talking to these to them as they, you know, they weren't all local because, um, you know, Homage Studios was in San Diego and Eric was in Northern California, I think in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, so they weren't all there, but I was, I, I was able to talk to some of these people and I broke the story for Image Comics launching in the Comic Buyer's Guide. <laughs> That is awesome. And you don't consider yourself a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> now, the person who writes the news isn't a celebrity. The person who makes the news is a celebrity. Yeah. Well. Um, and, and so I kept writing for the Comic Buyer's Guide for the time I had the shop. And then my uh, ex-wife and I got divorced, and I lost the shop and the divorce. So I stopped oh. writing for the Comic Buyer's Guide, and I started uh, a newsletter, Superhero News, on the Yahoo list server. I mean, we started off as you know, on the eGroups list server, but Yahoo bought them. Right. 
And so then we were part of the Yahoo list server. And Superhero News was a clipping service. And uh, we were uh, clipping things from Newsarama when they weren't a big deal. But uh, the guys at Newsarama had worked with me at Comic Buyer's Guide. Interesting. What a small world. What a small world. As it turned out, um, I ended up with a um, gig at uh, Borderline Magazine, which was uh, based in England. Uh, Phil Hall had been subscribing to the clippings and was using that as news. And so he had um, offered me a gig. And so that's when I started doing interviews because I, I had done um, an inter- I wanted to do, I actually, I just wanted a picture of the MLJ creators, uh, the original three, <laughs> uh, for my website. Because I was on the, I was on the internet early. And so yeah. I had a Shield uh, GeoCities page. If anyone remembers GeoCities. I do remember GeoCities pages. And so I wanted a picture of them. And so I contacted Michael Silverplate. And I said, I need a picture of your father and the other two founders. And he he sent me back an email. He says, is this for an article you're writing? So if I said no, he wouldn't give it to me. So I had to. (laughs) Sure. It's, it's, yeah. (laughs) I didn't have a place to place the article. So I contacted Phil Hall, and that's how I got the job at uh, at um, on Borderline, you know, in their magazine. And so I wrote the article, and I worked with Michael on it, and uh, we went back and forth. He had a lot of input because he wanted to; he cared how his father was presented. Right. Sure. And so we did a, a history of uh, you know of Archie Comics, and um, I turned it in, and they said, um, "Well, that that's kind of cool, but." Um, you know, there's no reason we run it in any particular issue. You don't have a hook in this. I can hold it for six months and run it, and it's still the same history piece. So um, my, my friend, Paul Castiglia, who's my co-author on the MLJ Companion, uh, was working as the PR agent for Archie at the time. And um, he was a regular uh, sending me news for the Mighty Crusaders message board. I contacted him, and he and Fernando Ruiz were converting Archie my- weird mysteries into Archie mysteries. He had the Mighty Crusaders in early issues. I actually have those pages on my wall of the uh, Mighty Crusaders in Archie's weird mysteries. Oh, so nice. Um They're actually right over there in that frame. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. Actually, that's the origin of the shield on the wall, or the um, introduction of the Mighty Crusaders. So that that uh, that interview gave us the hook, and we ran both pieces in Borderline, and then that was a monthly gig. Um, every month, the magazine would come out, and I'd have a different interview in it. When they went out of business, it was picked uh, the remaining pieces of it, the interviews, and the last magazine were put online on Silver Bullet Comic Books, which is where I ended up. And so then I started doing interviews for them. And um, over, I had a um, two and a half hour conversation with Neil Adams, and he revealed in this conversation that he was going to go to back to Batman for the first time in 20 years. Wow. And I turned it into the editor, and it took forever to edit because it was 27 pages. <laughs> <laughs> which should have been broken up into five pieces and run over the week, which is what yeah. we ultimately did. Yeah. But it took him so long to edit the piece. Um, I, they um, ended up getting scooped by someone else, even though I had the information first. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that killed me. So I threw a fit. And uh, <laughs> they, they made me a feature editor. 
so that I could edit my own pieces. They gave me all the, you know, and, I, and they taught me how to run the back end of a news website. There you go. Squeaky wheel. Squeaky yeah. well, wheel. So then all of a sudden they start sending me other people's pieces to edit and uh-huh. to, to code. Um, but that was okay. I had a good time and it taught me what I needed to know to run a website. And so I was there for a number of years and uh, Phil Ladder and Rick Croxton were there with me and they came with me to First Comics News when we did that. Um, it, my work with Archie, I, um, as I interviewed people and d- did things like that, my contact there was Alex Segura, who was oh, okay. uh, who, who succeeded who succeeded uh, Paul Castiglia, and he left for DC. And when he told me he was leaving for DC, it had wasn't uh, everywhere yet. DC hadn't made an announcement, mm. so. Michael Silverclay, I called him up on the phone and I said, I hear that uh, Alex is leaving. I want his job. (laughs) And he said, hold on a minute. And he put me on a three-way call with him and Fred Mauser. And on my drive to my day job, which was a 10-minute drive, I got hired by Archie as their new PR guy. When was this? Because I, obviously, I'm a big you know, Archie and Mighty Crusaders fan for many years. Well, and I was there for, this was 13 years ago. I was there for 10 years okay. and I've been gone now for three. Okay. No, I had a great time there. And uh, I met uh, a lot of good people who worked there and I, I made a lot of friendships and it, uh, and I have a lot of good feelings for Archie, you know, and, and it's always nice to go from being the outsider to being the insider, especially sure. uh, the Mighty Crusaders mean a lot to me, but Archie meant a lot to me too. I used to watch the cartoons as a kid and I liked the songs and I, you know, like the characters and it's all kind of fun. And so it's nice to actually be, um, you know, part of the mix. That's, I think, probably the most exciting thing to me is is that you've been able to to put yourself into that that kind of world. Um, specifically, I mean, you mentioned it before the the book that you wrote, the MLJ Companion, which I'm going to do a cheap plug for you on here. Oh, thank you, I appreciate um, it. Because it's, uh, <laughs> oh, it's available a, now. Get your get, copy. Get your copy. We'll include links in the show notes for this episode oh. for everybody. I, I've read this thing like three times, I think now, and my dad's even read it. I think Mr. X and and Dragon is Prime have flipped through it. It's a great book. It was instrumental in us being able to pull off the uh, the podcast miniseries on the history right. of yeah. the MLJ characters. So, well, I watched that. That was very, very good. Low watch. I listened to that. That was very, yeah. very good. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. So, thank you. You you basically were uh, a indirect contributor to those episodes <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> um, so that was kind of, you know, getting you all into this. But then once you started running the Mighty Crusaders website and the various social media pages, especially over the last few years, you started doing the Agent Shield, I guess, I don't know if you call it fan fiction stuff that you were putting up, where you would do um, basically a mock cover and then you would give a synopsis of... of well, well there, there are a few things in there because the MightyCrusaders.net website, there is fan fiction. I didn't write any of that, but uh, we do have a variety of fan fiction that uh, we've collected over the years. Uh, it, it started with Bradley Cobb when uh, he owned uh, Mighty MLJ and he collected it and then he gave it to me and we added that to the website. Um, so there is a section for that, but I think what you're referring to are some mock covers we did. Um, I was working with an artist, Mitch Kwok, out of Hawaii, and he loved Golden Age characters. And I have, uh, you know, a million characters I created as a kid and, and a lot of different characters I liked, and we had a legacy version of the shield. 
It's part Flash, where he's in an all-red costume, and part Shield, where he's got the American flag shield on his chest, but all the Patriot characters have that. Um, (laughs) Blended in together as, as a visual image, and so I thought it's part Shield, part Flash, but you look at it, and it's really Miss America from Marvel Comics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um, the idea was that um, you know we would do a mission impossible style cover series where he'd pick different characters from the mlj universe and they'd he mitch would draw a picture of him with the other character interacting with the other characters and we were going to do 100 mock covers okay that's ambitious that's an ambitious project and and for it of course in the middle of that mitch got hit by uh, a car while he was on his bicycle. Oh, no. He was out for for, uh, several months. And uh, I didn't know what happened to him because he's in Hawaii and uh, I couldn't get him on my phone. I couldn't get him my email. I couldn't get him on Facebook. I couldn't uh, find any contact with him. Little did I know he was recovering in the hospital. Oh, my. We talked. And he's okay. He's back to drawing and he's He's fine. Well, we made it. He wanted to do a comic too. And I was hesitant. Uh, for, for a variety of reasons, but I think nothing kills a character more than when you do a crappy comic. Not to say uh, that our plan would be to do a crappy comic, but I didn't have a lot of faith in um, our skills to pull that off. And I was using um, Agent Shield and Sergeant Flag on First Comics News as masthead characters. If you go there, they're right next to the logo. And I have been posting pictures of him on Facebook as, as a mascot character for holidays, for Mother's Day and Father's Day. And so I've been using the character for a few years, and I didn't want to just kill it. And uh, Mitch got, um, I, I guess, disgruntled. Not, not unhappy, but, you know, he wanted to make his own comics. And so he's off making his own comics with his own characters. And uh, Eric Bennett, who's a member of the G-Man Club with me, had told me that uh, Gilbert Monsanto should take a crack at the character and I should have him enter the arena. Gilbert uh, has a Facebook group where you enter your original character into the arena and they battle other characters and the winning is decided by votes from the members of the group. It's a very fun site. We'll include a a link to that as well in this because it's a really fun, uh, I'm a part of that. It's really fun to be a part of. Yeah, thank you. As it turned out, uh, we did one image. And it came out really nice, and I was I was happy. And so then he did an image of Sergeant Flag for me. And for me, Agent, Agent Shield is Simon N. Kirby, and you can get where the name comes from. Yeah. And, and he's basically the Silver Age all-American patriotic character. And he's everything that a Democratic DC-type character would be. And so Sergeant Flag is everything he's not. <laughs> Republican version. And, and so um, his name is Rob McFarland. Love it. You can Love see where that, that comes from, too. And, and so together, they kind of cover a spectrum of very different characters that are both very patriotic. And they were just masthead characters, so I didn't really have to flesh them out. They, they you know, and, and it was fun. And we did some covers, and I did a little paragraph as if they were going to publish a comic. And we put that on DeviantArt, and I put it on the Mighty Crusaders website. But that was about it, and I was pretty happy with that. Then we had Gilbert do um, uh, another image of the characters, and um, then all of a sudden Eric Bennett put together a Who's Who page for me. And it was nice of him, just out of the kindness of his heart, he put together Who's Who page, uh, which I put on DeviantArt for my characters. I got together with Jim Burroughs, and we were doing some fanzines and publishing some magazines that we were giving away for free, and still are. 
we had before we did that, we did a who's who just for the G-Man uh, Facebook group. And so the people who had contributed original characters, we put them together in a book and we gave that away for free as well. And that was the first time we actually got around to publishing uh, Agent Shield in a comic and Sergeant Flag and, um, you know, everyone else's characters who, who wanted to participate. And, and so that was kind of fun. And, and so it's, that, it's a beautiful book. Too. I mean, uh, you know, it's obviously the way it's put together. Of course I have it and, and you know, we're going to put links to this. But it's a, it's a great book. It's really well put together and super fun. So I can't recommend this to our listeners enough to go out and get it on Indie Planet. So we'll have the link to that as well. And, and as you can see, the name is, uh, is overly complex, but it, it's the who's who <laughs> handbook of the G-Man universe. And <laughs> right. the lettering matches the Marvel Universe lettering. Yeah. We don't really play anything more than a fanboy project. It has a 10 right. cent cover price, but of course we gave it away for free. If you want a PDF and if you wanted it printed, whatever Kabam charges to print is what they charge. It's not, there's no money to any of us. Right. Um, and so we thought, I thought it was done. But uh, Gilbert uh, had uh, made an offer where we could uh, work together on the comic. And um, he, he was willing to work with me as a uh, novice. I've written a lot over the years, but I've never written a comic book. And he was willing to work with me on that uh, and through, through my efforts on that. And so I had a million ideas from reading a million comics over my lifetime. <laughs> And so we, uh, we got together and we wanted to include uh, certain elements. I um, always like more real world based characters and stories. I like hooks that fit into the real world. Yeah. So in the first issue, we deal with a few things. Uh, we deal with ghost guns. Originally, I wanted to set that in the Philippines because he's from the Philippines. And I watched a Vice episode about how the cycle of life goes for ghost guns where they're manufactured in the Philippines, they're shipped into the U.S., they're used by militia groups and street gangs and things like that. After they commit murders, they keep, the guns keep moving down and they all have no serial numbers and how they leave the country. And I thought that was all kind of interesting. And it would give us a chance to showcase the Philippines. But once we were actually into the comic, we didn't have the space for that. And it didn't quite come across <laughs> in the Philippines. So it, it's there, but it's not, not expressed. You know what I mean? Okay. And so we start off with Agent Shield, who's you know, an FBI agent, Simon and Kirby, and he sends just a regular plainclothes officer to investigate uh, the ghost guns. And that guy's kidnapped and taken hostage. So Sergeant Flagg is the person he picks for that mission to go out and rescue uh, the agent in a search and rescue mission. So that leads to finding out where the guns are going, and they're going to a militia group that's going to attack Fort Knox. Oh, okay. Now, at the time I'm putting this together, there's a um, Raid Area 51 movement going on on Facebook and on the Oh, internet. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Area yep. 51 to prove whether or not that conspiracy theory was true that there are aliens hidden right. here. Well, Peter Better put out a conspiracy theory um, that there's no gold in Fort Knox. And at the time he put it out, it was so powerful that the people in charge at Fort Knox invited all the major networks, congressmen and senators to tour Fort Knox to show them the gold, to prove that it was there. <laughs> so I thought, why not have a militia group attack Fort Knox? If, if it turns out there is no gold, they can destabilize the country, they can use their power and influence to take over, and if there is gold, they can take it. Yeah. But a small militia group can't really take on a fort, so we brought in a giant robot. 
Well, like you do. As you right. do. Yes. You have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that, you know, as I'm going to do this, I wanted to do a comic my whole life. When I was a kid, I submitted to DC. I had heard that Jim Shooter had submitted when he was a kid, and I thought I could do it too. And I submitted, and I got a few rejection letters. And then at one point, it dawned on me, if it takes me three months to write a story and get a rejection letter, I'm never going to be able to do a monthly comic. <laughs> I just put that off to the side. But now that I'm actually doing it, I thought other people might enjoy joining in in all this adventure too. So we haven't drawn the three-page battle between our giant robot vanguard and Agent Shield and his G-Men. And we're going to let people in the Kickstarter contribute to pledge to have their original character join us. Oh, oh, that's really that's cool. cool. Our G-Men are awesome going to Sergeant Flag and have Lynx, which is a character I created for the comic shop almost, uh, you know, more than 20 years ago. Almost 30 years now. Joining them will be five characters from the people who pledge. And so everyone will get a chance to, to have the same experience. Gilbert's going to draw them into the story. Your guy's not going to beat the giant robot that my guy's going to do that oh of course of <laughs> course yeah you know, you'll you'll be the wolverine against uh, magneto <laughs> in this giant battle royal and so it's gonna we're hoping it's a lot of fun for everyone we're hoping that engages people and makes them feel the joy that i'm going to feel with this it's my first comic and i'm real excited about it you know that was going to be another question was incentives i mean that is an incentive that you know i can say for the five of us as amateur creators ourselves piques our interest big time but what other incentives do you guys have for the for this kickstarter well actually we got two comics coming out the kickstarter but theoretically you'd want both but as far as incentive goes we've got um the artist on the first one is gilbert the artist on the second one is alan ferrer Freria contacted me um in the g-man club and posted uh, some images of a character called marshall strong which is a legacy version of Private Strong. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, I looked at those, and those were really cool, and I posted them in the group, and we talked. And I had him do a version of uh, Agent Shield, which we're going to use as the alternate on um, the cover for issue one. Cool. And it's, more in a, it's in more of a manga style, and so that is one of the um, images that we're going to do as a, as a add-on or as a you know choice then he showed me his regular work and he ended up doing issue two. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome and he's he's pretty fast at this and so we ended up deciding to do one and two together and then i had uh, totally separate from this kickstarter i had uh, gilbert do a picture of me and the dog on my shoulder on the shoulders of my superheroes like the, was, old, uh, uh, the old like the old shield hangman yeah right yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. From Pep Comics number 36. And it was just a, a piece that I wanted for my wall. And I actually have it on the wall back there, if you can see it. There might be a little glare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a poster, and that's all I wanted it for. But in the interim, we decided to make the comic, and now that's going to be an alternate cover on issue two. That's nice. awesome. Uh, Stephen Butler is a friend of mine um, who we worked together at Archie. I promoted the new look stuff that he had done at Archie, and he was on Sonic. And, I'd interviewed him a few times, and uh, you know, we, we've just been real friendly over the years, and he's doing alternate covers for me for both issues. And in addition, my other artists are doing a lot of digital work. So they're scanning it, the pencils into the computer, and they're digital inking, and then they're digital coloring. Uh, Steve um, did it all on board. It's That's on awesome. Bristol board, all penciled, all inked. Uh, full-size comic pages. And so one of our incentives is that uh, you can own that art. 
Oh. oh. If you're interested, he'll send it directly from his studio to you. And if you'd like, he'll autograph it too. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Oh. That, that worked out as a nice little bonus for people. And, and we're, everything we're doing, we're trying to price reasonably. The idea is not that we're going to make a fortune. The idea is hopefully we'll break even. <laughs> Yeah. Break even and have a little bit of fun while you're at it. And, yeah. Exactly. And got to get all the artists paid. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and all that. We're, we're real excited about that. Um, we also, in addition to the covers, I have some art donated. There's a piece by Mort Todd that he gave to me that mocks up the first cover of Pep uh, number one, where he puts Agent Shield in there instead of the actual shield. That's awesome. And so we're going to offer that as a mini poster. Uh, Alan, b between the time he um, started work on the comic and the time he did the Who's Who page for Lynx, did an image of Lynx in black and white. It's absolutely gorgeous. He just gave that to me. That wasn't part of any of the work that he's actually doing on the comic. And we're going to offer that as a poster as well. And then when I was in Gilbert's Arena, he did a uh, Dynamic Duos uh, matchup. And he did uh, Agent Shield and Sergeant Flag together in that matchup. And that's going to be the third poster we're going to offer. In addition to that, if we hit our stretch goals, we're going to do a new Who's Who. Because oh, the old Who's Who was for Facebook. And we have some public domain characters in there. And we don't have the whole pantheon of characters that we're creating in there. And so um, if we hit our stretch goal, and we, we'd have to be able to afford this, you won't get two comics, you'll get three. So we'll throw oh, in a PDF, we'll throw in a bonus PDF. And if you get the print comic, we'll throw in a bonus print comic. So you'll get that in addition. So we think that'll be fun. And uh, then we're going to take the images from the Who's Who book that we're going to do, and we're going to make some trading cards. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. Okay. And so, um, if you join, uh, your char your character will also be included in the five pages of the comic. It'll be included in the Who's Who book that we're going to do. It'll be included in the trading cards we're going to do. And, oh, that's um, also, so cool. On the splash page, uh, we have homage to the uh, cover of All Star Comics, where all the characters were on pictures on the table as they were picking the team. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to do this like Mission Impossible style, so the different characters on the team every issue. We're going to take that little who's who page and make it very, very tiny <laughs> in the splash page as he selects your character for the team. That's cool. So um, very nice. Uh, we we think this will be a lot of fun. We're hoping. We're hoping everyone has a good time. And um, oh, also, uh, we we at First Comics News we cover a lot of independent wrestling and wrestlers and. Uh, we um, contacted the people at uh, uh, One Hour Tees that does pro wrestling tees, mm -hmm. and they're going to produce t-shirts for our Kickstarter. Oh. What a small world it is, because yeah. actually where the my, uh, my Big Fat Polis t-shirts come from are them as well. Oh, very good. So we'll <laughs> yes. give them a plug too. They're nice people. Very and nice. So they're going to do three t-shirts for us, uh, which will be part of the Kickstarter if you want a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. and, um, and who doesn't yeah. want a t-shirt? I mean, really, who doesn't want a T-shirt? Yeah. Well, what? Uh, wh how long is the Kickstarter running, Rick? I know uh, it starts days. August 1st. It's a 30-day run. It, okay. start, it starts August 1st. Um, start time was something I was kind of flying with. At one point, I was thinking of starting at midnight, but I think I'm going to start at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. Um, with the second issue of uh, you know, Agent Shield uh, is Alan's issue, and um, I wanted to do a white supremacist story. Um, I, the best villains for patriotic characters have always been the Nazis. 
Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I do American Nazis. The idea was that uh, we'd have a millionaire industrialist who was kind of Batman, kind of Iron Man, who would be funding the whole thing. He'd be the one who'd build the giant robot that would attack Fort Knox. He'd be the one who'd film, uh, who'd fund the people who attack Fort Knox. And we're going to play him throughout the whole thing. And when I started, he was a character all in white with kind of a pointy cowl. Uh, <laughs> and, like and I was a little heavy-handed with this. So, uh, but then I'm watching TV, and uh, all of a sudden, they're telling you, in addition to worrying about the global pandemic, they're now murder hornets. <laughs> they're killing honeybees, and their stingers can go through the beekeeper's uniform. And I looked at that, and I said, I got to use that. <laughs> so I got together with Gilbert, and I said, I want a murder hornet. And I roughed out a sketch of what he looked like, but my skills are not good enough to actually show anyone other than Gilbert. And um, so uh, Gilbert put up the first image of Murder Hornet, and we're using him in issue two. And so um, we my characters live in a world where you have to register as superheroes okay. on the Superhero Registration Act. So he does, uh, Murder Hornet doesn't want to register, so his bodyguard registers for him. And impersonates him and all the unpleasant things that he'll have to do and, and leaving him free to do whatever he wants, right. which is to go into ever underprivileged neighborhoods and, uh, and beat up uh, people of color for minor crimes under the color of authority. Now, that all seemed like a good idea to me at the time. And then here comes this global pandemic and it actually becomes topical. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. when we started it. The idea was just to link the Nazis in with the patriotic characters. You know, life imitates art. In some cases, art imitates life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you, you can actually find examples of that uh, in comic books stretching all the way back to the beginning. It's, yeah. it's actually very uncanny how comic books, the stories in the comic books, as they've been thought up and, and are put to paper, will all of a sudden mean something so much more around the time that they get published or shortly after or shortly before they were published. Boom. It's, it's almost like comic books are the one true thing that has its finger on the pulse of the American zeitgeist. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I got <laughs> deep. I got deep there for a second. Well, I would also, I would also say, too, that I think the, the comics that, that seem to resonate with people most are the comics that either intentionally or in a case like with what you're doing, Rick, with Agent S.H.I.E.L.D., inadvertently kind of touch on that that zeitgeist, if you will, that uh, happy accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that those are the things that seem to really resonate and stick with people and, and tend to, um, you know, stand some sort of test of time. So I think, uh, yeah, I think like, like Mr. X says, I think that's a, that's a very happy accident for you guys in a weird roundabout sort of way. With Murder Hornet too, I, his origin was really, really close to Batman because I wanted people to get the feel of who he was and what we were trying to portray as an evil racist Batman, where Alfred was actually a white supremacist and when the parents die, he leads uh, Batman into the dark side. But uh, I got two editors on this project, Jim Burroughs, who's editing production, and uh, Lou Mugent, who is doing the story editing. And he looked at it and said, you can't do this. You <laughs> 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 can't do this. Just sent back. And, and, and so, um, we, we scrapped the Batman-esque portion of it and went with something totally original. Uh, he started off me uh, simply with the death of the parents' characters 
which we had to totally revamp. And after he got, we got over that, he said, now you have to scrap the rest. That is the, the heart and soul of the character is that he's the evil Batman or the evil Iron Man because uh, his company is going to build all the um, munitions from, uh, you know, for the U.S. government. And so a, as an individual, not as the you know, quasi-superhero, he's going to have a lot of power and influence. So it's going to make him a recurring villain or at least connected with recurring villains, you know, different villains that appear as he'll be an ongoing problem. Sort of like uh, Lex Luthor was during the John Byrne run for Superman. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be more into procedural parts of this too, so that, uh, you know, when Agent Shield gets the bad guy, it's not a bad guy running away with a bag with a big dollar sign on it. Out. <laughs> you know, they're going to put him in cuffs. They're going to take him to the you know, downtown. They're going to question him. His attorney's going to be there. They're going to have to show cause. Uh, you know, so we're going to, we're going to have, uh, you know, I like police procedural shows yeah. and so we're going to have elements of that. I think it will make the comic feel more real. I think it's going to add some fun to it and it'll add some jeopardy to characters that are more street level. In addition, Murder Hornets company is also going to build all the tech that uh, Agent Shield uses. So none of it will really work for him. <laughs> <laughs> When he fights the giant robot, it won't have any, the, you know, his equipment won't have any effect on the robot initially, you know, and, uh, and it'll break. When he Who fights makes this crap? You know, <laughs> horn and it won't work, you know, and so I think that's part of the fun is that, uh, you know, he's a character who doesn't have any personal superpower and, and his tech isn't quite that all there either. Mm. So it sounds like you guys are, are, you know, laying groundwork and building for much more. So is there a, I don't want to necessarily say plan, but is there a hope for many more issues past issue two? Well, our goal is that after this comes out to be doing something quarterly. Um, oh, okay. Gil Gilbert has signed on for um, uh, the next title, which is uh, G-Man Comics 3 and 1. And as, as it sounds, we'll have three comics in uh, three stories in one comic. All right. I'm going to um, explore the Lynx story, uh, which is a character I created almost 30 years ago for my comic shop in there. And so, uh, and then uh, Eric has a character, Steel Wolf, that's rather popular. And he has a version in our universe that's the all American version instead of the Soviet version, American Eagle. And he has Lady Victory. And he's going to tell their, her story both their stories in um, three and one. And then um, Jim Burroughs is going to tell um, the story of his champion of Liberty too uh, in there as well. And so we're trying to create an interconnected universe. So that'll be the next project. And then I'm working with a, another creator, uh, Ishmael Bay, on a Judah Maccabee comic. And this one won't be, it'll look like superheroes, but it's going to be biblical. Oh, okay. And I have him on there to uh, keep me honest because I wrote the first draft all full script. And he looked at it and said, no. <laughs> 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 and so then we, we went back and forth, and uh, he teaches comparative religious philosophy at Whittier College. And so we, we got, uh, he's also my rabbi. And so um, he kept us honest in this. So we're putting together something real honest with that. That'll be the third project uh, for Gilbert. And I don't know when that's coming. It's down the line because we, we really haven't even started the first Kickstarter. 
Uh, Alan only signed on for the first issue so far, but I'm already halfway written with the third issue. So um, the idea would be that uh, we only have the black and white pages to show in the Kickstarter right now because he's still in process. Uh, we expect the completion date on that to be August 15th. We're starting the uh, Kickstarter on August 1st. Hopefully we'll have, uh, he'll agree to continue with us. Hopefully we're doing well with the Kickstarter and start yeah. issue three while we're in the middle of the Kickstarter for issue one and two. Jim Burroughs Universe um, has our only uh, fictitious city, New Arcadia. He was big in the role-playing world. And so he created a fictitious city with lots of fictitious characters. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, he used them in role play for 20 years. So that's going to be part of our universe. It'll be our only fictitious city, and we're going to explore that, too. That shows up in issue two of Agent Shields because uh, I needed a character that had healing powers, and none of my characters have superpowers. So we go and visit Jim's character, and uh, one of the characters gets healed from a life-threatening injury. And then, of course, we have to deal with the fact that once he's healed, there's no injury. And so how is the villain responsible for injuring him if there's no injury? Oh, there's no injury. oh that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Everything together so that we have a nice shared universe. So hopefully we'll keep going and hopefully we'll be able to put out, you know, more comics. We certainly have more planned. We're putting the cart before the horse because we have yet to sell one copy from a Kickstarter. <laughs> Strangely enough, artists want to be paid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Weird. And um, Darren, who does those Fizzlop uh, uh, videos, is uh, doing the uh, video for our Kickstarter, and it's beautiful. He did a really good job. Nice. Hopefully, you guys get a rush of people running in, especially in the first week on the Kickstarter. Hopefully, everybody gets as jazzed about it as we are. I think all five of us, based on our reactions just right now, are like super pumped about this and, and very excited. The Kickstarter event starts August 1st. It will run for 30 days. We will have links in the show notes for everything that we've talked about, for all of the stuff that uh, Rick's working on and has coming up. Uh, you know, we can't stress enough how exciting it is to, uh, to, to jump in on it. So, so please go and, and check out this Kickstarter project. Rick, uh, you know, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I, you know, I know all of us kind of have to get going here and, and it sounds like the six of us could probably sit here and talk for hours on end about comics. And I don't think any of us have that kind of time. As a comic retailer, I used to do that for eight hours a day, every day. Uh, yeah. Well, Smurfy and I used to work in a comic shop for a number of years, and, and that's actually where I met uh, Mr. X, in fact. Uh, you know, he used to, to come in there. He was and, my dealer. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, we the three of us, we would sit there and, and talk, you know, for a full eight-hour shift about comics. So I'm sure that the six of us could digress nonstop. But, um, but Rick, thank you so much for coming on the, on the show today. It's, it's been a real pleasure to, to finally meet and talk about this. And, you know, and best of luck with the Kickstarter. This sounds really exciting. Yes. Well, thank you for having me here. And thanks for helping getting the word out. I'm really excited, and I hope it goes well. Yeah. And, and you have an open invitation anytime you'd like to That's come right. back to my big fat pull list we will pull up a chair for you. Absolutely. Well, I'll be happy to come back if you ever want me back. As long as I know what we're talking about, I can, I'm happy to <laughs> Excellent. Wow. That was great. Well, thank you so much uh, to Rick Offenberger uh, for being here on the show. What a, a well of amazing information. I mean, that was really, yeah, yeah. Kind of mind-blowing in some aspects. Right, and, right. And that Agent Shield project sounds 
awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of those tiers, especially that tier about putting in uh, your character, getting your character into the book. That's pretty cool. That is. We could be in that book. Anybody could. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And um, once again, everybody don't, you know, don't miss out on, um, oh God. on uh, that uh, Kickstarter. It, it's, are, it's, are, are we missing somebody? You, you know, it, you guys, uh, where'd Pistol go? Yeah, where is he? I, he was just here a second ago. You know what? I have a feeling we've been visited by the Psycho Podcaster. Oh, again? not him again. Yeah, for all of you who uh, who don't know what I'm talking about, there, uh, uh, there's been this uh, kind of a annoying little imp of a man called the Psycho Podcaster. He, he exists from outside of the known universe. Uh, he showed up during our Understanding DC Comics Continuity uh, series of podcast episodes that we do yeah. on the podcast. We've been very leery of him showing back up, and it's probably the only explanation that we can come up with for Pistol's disappearance. So, uh, Yeah, I think you're probably right. Just a quick update. This Kickstarter project launched on August 1st of 2020. The project itself has fully been funded in under 40 minutes, which is really an astounding time frame, especially for a new property like this. And not only was it funded, but the very first stretch goal has also been funded. Wow. Now, yeah, it's really incredible. Uh, you know, the, the amount of time, as of this recording, Mr. X, the Kickstarter hasn't even been live for a full 48 hours and it's already reached its first stretch goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it just goes to show what kind of fan base Rick has and his love for not only the MLJ characters, but this, uh, I guess you would call it this reimagining. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of new take on, on, uh, on this kind of a classic concept. Yeah. And it's exciting for me, too, Mr. X. I don't know if you've had a chance to go on there yet yourself. Like I said, as of this recording, the Kickstarter's only been up for less than two days. I have had an opportunity to get on there, and um, I have backed the project. And now, because the first stretch goal's been reached, I'm getting a variant cover of each issue. So that's pretty cool. Very but cool. It's very cool. But there are still more stretch goals that have not been reached especially the stretch goal that Rick mentioned in this interview about a brand new who's who that has not been reached. So get out there, check it out. As of this recording, the project is very close to reaching its second stretch goal, but it is not there yet. We urge you all to check it out. You have till August 30th. And if you're listening to this episode long after the project has ended, I'm sure the books are still available. Get out there, check them out, check out the future Kickstarter events that Rick has going on. Having said that, we should probably go ahead and wrap this up before the Psycho Podcaster comes back and takes one of us or any one of the listeners. We certainly don't want that to happen. So um, <laughs> that's right. Look behind you. Once again, don't forget to check out the Agent Shield Kickstarter project that starts on August 1st. It runs for 30 days. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. I'm Dr. Impact. I am Dragonus Prime. 
I'm Smurfy. And I am the terribly mysterious Mr. X. And we will see you next time. Stay mighty, friends. That's our show, folks. Tell your friends and family about our program. What he means is you and everyone you know should subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on every app possible. Want to help support the show? Visit our Patreon page. We have a variety of incentives at multiple tiers, sure to satisfy any and all hardcore geeks. You can also follow us on social media where we post weekly comic pics, breaking news stories, and glimpses into our everyday geek lives. Until next time, keep your turtle shells waxed. (laughs) Your power rings charged. And your proton packs primed. Ooh, what's this do? No, Smurfy! Not the containment unit! Just a quick update. And then you can go... Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's my... Okay. That was your cue. Uh, That was my cue. Okay. (laughs) But it's okay because you didn't know it was your cue. All right. Cool. Good. Got it. Got it. Don't let it happen again. All right. I won't. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.